You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice Show, building the collective conscious, the show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and yay debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. We back again. We back again in the studio in Black and Studios. Man, this day, oh my God, the sun is out. Man, I feel that warmth on my body. And I tell you what, I could just stay outside all day long, but I got to do a show. And I'm excited today because uh, this is kind of, um, man, what can I say? I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I'm telling you, we have some dynamic guests in the studio today. We've been spending a little time together uh, in, I guess the title of this show, I guess I could say, is a continuation of a two community dialogue and for over the past month uh, we've had members from the black and jewish communities come together for some really deep conversation it's been stimulating it's been challenging but you know what we share long history together you know even before the civil rights um, we we share history and and even today uh, our communities have been through so many similar we would say good things and atrocities and so we're recognizing that we need to be strong together that was the goal and and but getting there sometimes you know just like uh you know uh tension and uh you know, when you bring forth life, <laughs> you know, there is a process. And uh, but in the end, when you hold that beautiful child, you realize all the pain and anguish was worth it. And so that's where we're at today. Um, I have three, three dynamic people in the studio. I'm looking at them right now. They don't look nervous either. They look like professionals. And so what we're going to do. We're going to go one by one, and I want them to introduce themselves and just say a little bit about who they are, and then we're going to go into the conversation. Hi, I'm uh, Steve Sloan. I'm a retired professor at the University of Oklahoma in political science. Been here since 66 from New York City, but I view Oklahoma to be home. I've taught a number of courses, particularly in international affairs, and my course, particularly on terrorism, was the first one given in the U.S., and I consult in terms of terrorism, intelligence, insurgency, and other things. And I particularly appreciate the realities of what we face here because I was involved with the tragedy of the Murrah Building, as you well know, so... It's very nice being here, and thanks so much for inviting us. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Jan Bravo. I was born here in Oklahoma. I'm a board-certified emergency room doctor. I spent all my career in Silicon Valley practicing at a suburban hospital there, and I've retired back here to Oklahoma. I've noticed a lot of change in Oklahoma, a lot for the good, but I know we still have a lot of work to do. 
And I think this dialogue is contributing to it. Wonderful. My name is Lazarus Gonzalez. I am the executive director of the Oklahoma Black Film Festival and also the Oklahoma Black Music Festival. Now, a lot of people are confused because when they hear the word black, they think it's racial, and actually it is not. The word black in both actually stands for blacklisted. Um, For centuries, people have been blacklisted. Certain types of people have been listed from both blacklisted from both the um, music and film industry. Um, I know back in the 50s into the 60s, a lot of um, Jews were actually blacklisted and they were put in a communist list and all this stuff was going on. And then today, it's just women, pretty much. In, in my own industry. I worked in the entertainment industry in Hollywood for over 15 years. And I came to Oklahoma to start my own production studio. And also am working on the um, Oida Loisipio Fisher movie, which I give a big thanks to the Fisher family um, for trusting me with such a deep um, story, um, very important story in our history. And I am very glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity, Michael. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did I not say that we had a uh, star-studded panel here today? And so um, let's jump right into it. Uh, Give your reflections on uh, the conversation that we held, uh, Temple Manet and also at uh, Langston University. I must mention our partners, uh, Temple Bonet All and Langston, Ralph Ellison Foundation, which I do run, and as well as the Jewish Federation, Oklahoma Jewish Federation, right? So let's talk a little bit about your reflections briefly on the conversations that we've we've had. Uh, Jan, would you start? Yes, I will. I will say, first of all, that we had some very animated dialogue, and I came away learning a lot. I think the first thing that sticks out in my mind that's very important is that uh, there are certain preconceived notions in which we enter conversations. Even if we think we're listening or know a lot, and the first thing I will comment on is that in some of the conversations – we fell a bit into us versus them. And this was a real eye-opener because we had all come together and we, you know, we dined together for a bit and, and spoke. But when we really got into it, the meat of it was we all needed to learn certain things. And this us versus them dialogue means that we just came with what we know, what we've read. And I found out there's a lot more information out there. So I just want to say um, it helped me. It helped open my eyes to what I don't know. And I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what I should have led off with, with what we tried to focus on, uh, is sacred listening. The idea that um, you actually listened <laughs> to, to someone else and their opinion and their views and their truth, and you accept that as their reality. And Jen, I think it's very important how you pointed out that it, it you know, that's that's how you defeat movements when you make them us versus them. 
right? That's how you divide and conquer when you pit people against each other. And so a lot of us come in the room, although that's not our intention, we come in the room already being conditioned, right? That my situation is worse or my situation is so different. And I think through the conversations, what we, what we discovered was that there were many more similarities than there were differences, right? Uh, so that's, a, that's an absolute, absolute great point. Steve, what do you think? Well, I found it to be a very positive experience. <clears throat> I agree that, you know, at the beginning of it, we were all tap dancing a little with our sacred listening. But as it moved on and people felt more comfortable, we started to deal with a number of the hard issues. Mm. And I think that was very positive to deal with those issues. There's a lot more to be done, obviously. Uh, basically, um, I like very much what you did in terms of emphasizing sacred listening because it's rare in this day of polarization where people will simply sit down and really listen and respect mm-hmm. each other. And I came away with the feeling that in many ways, you know, God bless the difference because if we were all the same, it'd be boring as heck. <laughs> right. You know, on the, That's so uh, true. on the other hand, you know, from that diversity, we, we share, nonetheless, share a lot. And both... Jews and blacks particularly share a lot. And traditionally, while there's been tension, they've worked together in many ways, which I was pleased about. So all told, uh, it was a very, very good and helpful experience. And if I may say, you were simply a wonderful moderator. I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, Steve. It was it was an honor to sit there and to help facilitate that conversation. And just, you know, when you're in a room full of uh, passionate people and open people, mm. I think that's what was important. There was There was no closed minds in the room. And I think uh, we all bring uh, experiences to the table that um, that are unique. But I think we were really open to other people's experiences. And as Jan has said, you know, what better way in understanding that, guess what? I don't know everything, right? And we didn't have uh, know-it-alls in the room. You know, that's important. Once you, you know, and I think, Steve, you made a comment one time where you talked about, which was so true, um, you know, in some regards, we can be preaching to the choir, but also where are the ones that we need to be talking to? The 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 problem with that sometimes is that the ones you need to be talking to, they either know everything or they're closed-minded. And uh, and I think another comment was that this was, I think Ricky has said that this is kind of the 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 place where we come and we get energized and we get built up and we get this sense of not being alone right in this journey therefore when we walk out the door you know we we're strengthened by that conversation i thought that was very powerful too so lazarus what was your what was your thoughts well like um jan had actually said you know the verse us versus them i think when i walked away that night um Excuse me. One thing I realized is, you know, being a filmmaker and working in the film industry, you know, it just took me back to that storyline where the two people are, you know, two kids that are best friends, best of friends. They do everything together. 
they start school, and now all of a sudden one of the kids is liked by the popular kid. The other kid is bullied, and then they separate. They stop being best of friends because of that. And um, I know I shared with them about, you know, um, Jews... Jews and African Americans were actually equal partners in everything. I mean, um, down to the Niagara Falls riots in the early um, 1900s, late 1800s to the early 1900s, they fought tooth and nail um, with um, Du Bois leading that charge. Um, Mary White Overton and Ida B. Wells um, fighting the tenements of New York, which actually passed... But we still, I mean, they're the ones that wrote and passed the housing laws that we follow today. And these is, this is an African-American woman and a um, Jewish woman that united to accomplish this. And I just, you know, um, I just, there's a lot that I learned that I didn't, I was not a little aware of. But again, being in the industry where um, I'm, very much put in front mm-hmm. for in the forefront um you know you said something it's like sometimes we feel alone in this mm-hmm. and i still stand by my thing we still i mean i think as an african-american woman well afro-cuban woman actually excuse me i am 100 percent kuwana as an afro-cuana in in america that is still the feeling that I have, especially in the process of putting the Oklahoma Black Film Festival together and the Oklahoma Black Music Festival together. More than ever, I was, you know, it's still that feeling that we are standing alone, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think your experiences, I would infer that on most minorities in this in in this country, is that there's a sense because a lot of times you find yourself being the only Jewish person in the room, the only black person in the room. And so uh, that's kind of the American experience because of our numbers. <laughs> Let's just be honest. You know, we don't have great numbers in the larger population. And so a lot of times we are trying to kick down doors. <laughs> We're trying to validate ourselves, right? Um, and and it becomes uh, a lonely journey. Um, but having the knowledge that we're all experiencing that, I think one should draw some strength from. Folks, we're going to take a break. We're having a great conversation here. We're going to get a little deeper, though. You know, we're on the One Mic, One Voice show. We can't run away from that. <laughs> all right? And so uh, hang in there. Get your coffee. I don't know. You might be like me. You might want to. What time? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. You might get some <laughs> bourbon or something. <laughs> I don't think so. All right? <laughs> hang in there, folks. We'll be right back. Join us for the seventh annual Night with Ralph Ellison Gala at the Oklahoma History Center, February 29th, 6 p.m. A night of fun, music, dance, and readings of Ellison's works. To purchase a ticket or a sponsorship, go to ralphellisonfoundation.org or call 405-788-0566.
This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. All right, we back in the studio, man. I don't know. I look over there, man. This this music might get me started. Jan, you gonna jump in with me? Yeah. I, I believe we can cut a rug up in here. <laughs> But folks, we are having a conversation, a continuing conversation about the black Jewish dialogue that we've been having here in Oklahoma City. And I hope that this becomes a model. I hope that someone's listening will say that, you know what, we can do this, right? We can make this happen. Because clearly, folks, uh, we didn't look to anybody but ourselves. We thought that we wasn't prompted from anybody outside of the state to say that we need to do this. This is a, a conversation, really, that me and Rabbi Harris has been having for a long time. And also uh, Mike and, and, and uh, Joan, right, from, uh, from yes. Re- Respect Diversity Foundation. We've been having this conversation, and we've been doing things together uh, with the foundation, uh, with the temple, as well as with the uh, Respect Diversity Foundation uh, throughout the years so we just i don't know we we like each other a lot and we and we and we feel like we've started something very special and this is kind of um you know the next movement in what we've been trying to do um but let, let's talk a little bit about were you disappointed about anything in uh or would you like to have seen things go differently in uh in our conversations did 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 you leave could you have left with more i'd uh say uh yes i think the first sessions which were all excellent was in in a sense tapping around issues mm-hmm. and it wasn't until toward the end where we got to harder issues which usually aren't spoken about mm-hmm. Such things as stereotyping, mm-hmm. different interpretations of history, mm-hmm. and as you said, the we was they. Mm-hmm. And I, on the basis of that, my only wish is we could have had another session. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had gone a long way, but the dialogue still has a long way to go. Absolutely. Yeah, we could be talking for a long time and will be on this. I do want to say um, one thing that I learned that was important, a very cogent point that was made that is self-evident but not always understood. When we were talking, we were saying, well, one thing is that Jewish people can walk around, and it's not always apparent that we're Jewish unless we wear a yarmulke or a star. But people of color are always identified. And such points like this were made, and these were things that really, um, unless someone mentions it, we may not think about it, we who are on the other side. And this is what we finally got to that um, as you said, I think, Steve, later on. And I'm so glad we did. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, I exactly agree. I mean, like what I say, I mean, it's hard. I know when I attended, Thursday was my first time ever going. Mm-hmm. So when people were like, how are we alike? I'm like, wait a minute, huh? It confused me. Because unless you are living an Orthodox Jewish lifestyle, which everyone could see you coming a mile away, 
um, you know, a lot of Jews could live a chameleon existence where they don't wear the hum, um, jamakas, correct? Jamakas, uh, you know, in public. I mean, in L.A., especially now, more than ever. I mean, but in the last eight, ten years in L.A., a lot of them will take them off. Before, they used to wear them all the time. They take them off. So they can live a chameleon existence. They could choose to blend, you know, and live a comfortable life, which a lot of, like, my experience, this is just my experience, that I've seen and lived around um, people of Jewish religion, that has always been the, the the case, even in Rhode Island, when I lived in Rhode Island, in Providence, in Johnston. And with us, I mean, there's just it's just not the same. We're stuck in our skin. There's no being ca- chameleon. The prejudice that we experience, it's on a day-to-day basis, 24-7. There is no break. And I, I, I would agree with you on that uh, beautiful black skin, I might add. But let and me I, say this. I want okay. to retract the word black. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, that is as that aggravates me. I, I am brown skin woman, not black. It's, well, black is a, it's, well, black is a concept. Black is not a color anyway. I mean, but we don't yeah, like to be know. called Negro, right? Well, I mean, it's out of fashion. At one time, okay. it was in fashion. But, but it's but, like know. saying, don't call me stupid, though, but you could call me stupid. Oh, well, you, you, Neg- I, well, okay. Negro I, and black well, are the same exact thing. Well, let me say this to you. One is in Spanish okay. and one is in English. Let me let me let me say this to you. Uh, you need to pick up my book. Okay, a new philosophy on black identity, and uh, read it. And and I, I get I lay out a whole argument. This t- too complex for us to get into yeah. what it means to be. Uh, you know the. Yeah, yeah, but 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 we can definitely have but that conversation. But read up on the history because we're not evil. Trust we're me, not, we're not dark and we're not evil. We're brown skinned. Yeah, but but okay. this is black. But, yeah, yeah, this is brown. Yeah, Doesn't match. Yeah, yeah, but black is not a color. But anyway, so so we we can we can have that that I'm open to that dialogue. That's just not what we hear today. Maybe I bring you back on and and I break out the uh, I break out the uh, the flip charts and take you through the history. Mm-hmm. My book is a history book. So anyway, but let me just say this: what you brought up, I think, is true. I mean, we. We are identified as as being, uh, if you want to say brown skin or whatever, people of color, whatever. Uh, you can't do that. But I would also say being a uh, an academic myself when it comes to identity, um, having to not reveal who you are is imprisonment as well. And so me and Rabbi Harris had this conversation a couple of years ago about passing, you know, passing as being white and not revealing your Jewish identity, what that does to the individual, right? Because day to day, you're living as an imposter, right? When you when you hear kind of so I would be curious to just talk a little bit about how does how does one navigate that experience? Because we we're very clear. Look, you look at us, you know who we are, right? We can't shake it. But being able to, um, that duality of that existence, have you experienced that? You know, How have you dealt with that? It's a very interesting question. And uh, I think one of the problems, you know, that you deal with, particularly being a Jewish minority, and especially in Oklahoma, is the pressure toward assimilation, you know, that's not mm-hmm. your issue. You have the other issue. You are who you are, and I would agree with you on that. 
But there's something very subtle about that. There's all kinds of prejudice. And an aspect of that is Jews, whether they view themselves to be religious or secular or view it as an ethnic or language thing, have to deal with these issues. Um, They're not easy to deal with. And I think that raises the point that the need for sensitivity is really so, so important. I'll give you one quick, quick, quick example. I always got fatigued when I was at a men's club. Notice I said a men's club. It always had a prayer in Jesus Christ's name. Now, I respected that, of course, but it was supposed to be non-denominational. Those seem to be small things, but if you add them up, they create tension. And, and I just throw that out to you. It, in many ways, it's, it's there, but it's more subtle than the, the experience that you have faced. Mm-hmm. Jan, any thoughts? I, I, I just have to echo what Steve mm-hmm. said. It's the same. Um, and, yeah, it's easy to hide. Interestingly, mm-hmm. I'm not a practicing Jew, although I grew up. I was bas mitzvah. I had all the, you know, went to all the holidays. Checked off all the boxes. Every <laughs> single one of them. But you're right. And I was I was really feeling it. Um, I, I, I will, if I'm around something and it comes up, but that's the thing. It usually doesn't come up around me because – Nobody thinks about it. But if someone says something off and I am in a position to say something, I will. There's something about intruding on other people's conversations. But if it's my conversation, mm-hmm. I'm right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and, and you bring up the point where um, we talked a, a, a lot about standing up and being that voice, right, and in those uncomfortable situations when we hear things about our community they're stereotypical um and not everybody in the room felt comfortable saying hey that's wrong you know don't use that word around me or don't and you know that conclusion was if we don't do it who will Mm. i mean and i think for both of our communities we have to we, we have to have the courage to stand up, um, especially when um, minorities in this country are under attack from the highest office of the land. And if we don't stand up for ourselves, who will? I mean. Now, you know, I just have to voice my opinion. Now, you made a good point. You know, Jewish people do live, you know, when you have to be something else that you, um, that you're not, Mm -hmm. you have to live in secret. That is an imprisonment. But again, that's your choice to live in that prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, You can put on that hamaka and be like, I'm Jewish, I don't care what you think. And yeah, you can face, now, now, we could say they're they're going through what we're going through, because we can't hide that. They can, but if they choose to hide, that's an imprisonment they chose to hide in. I would totally well, disagree with. If I may, I would totally disagree with you. Please do. The reality, for example, of the Holocaust was not a predicated on a desire. 
you know, to fit in, right? They were killed, just, and I appreciate this in terms of the issue of slavery. But they in the were middle. hitting on, Let they me, were not in secret, though. N- listen, it's not a question of whether they were in secret. They were, in essence, sent to concentration camps and forced to wear yellow stars of David on them. Mm-hmm. You know, that was not a choice. No. And even, even those who were secret, I must tell you, there were a lot of Jews who were German who really felt going back to veterans of the First World War who said it won't happen to us. We've been, we're really basically German. And, you know, there was an equal opportunity killer, and that was the concentration camp. So I, I, I agree with you to a point, but it, 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 there's a problem over here in terms of how you present it. But the, during the Holocaust, you know, reading, um, the reg, reading about the registry right before the Holocaust, where they actually even, you know... Um, even the Armenian Holocaust. There was a registry for the Armenians and also the Jews 14 years later to get free housing, to get free benefits. And little did they realize they were registering to be labeled. Now, they were not hiding. That's not what I mean. By all means, no, no, no. What, and I'm not saying what happened to them is any different. What I'm saying is in today's time, the Jews that choose to not reveal who they are for either because they're scared of being discriminated against, killed, or whatever reason, that's a choice that they make that allows, and then is it really living in a prison or is it self-preservation for them? Well, you, think- can't you can't say, I'm going to self-preserve myself and then be like, I'm stuck in a prison Boo-hoo. Well, I you think, put yourself there. Yeah, but I think... And I'm so, talking about today's era. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about in the modern era. But I also think self-preservation does not legate the fact that there are consequences that come along with that. So just because I'm trying to be safe, right, doesn't mean I'm choosing my to be safe over my identity. But it still hurts me and inflicts pain upon me because I can't be my authentic self out of fear that something will happen to me. So yeah, it is a, um, it's a dichotomy, right? It's a very difficult situation to be in. I can, I can just pop in Du Boisian dual duality being black and being an American. How do you reconcile those two? Loving yourself and being hated by society and subjugated by society, right? That I'm 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 proud. I'm proud to be, in my my opinion, a black man. But with that comes the idea that, you know what? There's some places I can't go. There's some folks I can't necessarily say some in some spaces because out because simply this mm-hmm. the retribution that would come off so i'm not being my authentic self because of i'm trying to stay safe right but your point is a valid point i mean you you know you can never get away from the argument that there's no hiding right um but 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 not coming out and totally being authentic, um, you know, 
is a challenge in itself and difficulties come with that, especially when we see what's happening around the United States today. And Jan, you were going to say something. I was just going to say it's a spectrum of safety and no safety. And I think most people are at different spots on the spectrum. And, and you know, we, we can put people down for, for – not being something but maybe they're really not that for example i identify as a jew it's my cultural background but i'm not practicing but if they ever rounded us up i'd get rounded up and sent and actually i would just say you know that's what i am the so thing is, my point is like you just said it perfectly yeah. there is a spectrum right african-americans don't have a spectrum you guys have the you guys are afforded an ability to have a spectrum. We're not. We're this twenty four seven. That there's no spectrum for us. That's I, all I'm trying to say. I, I must say, you know, there is a difference. My clear, my clear message is just simply, it is not, you know, the same thing. It, well, I don't. There, I don't. There well, is, well, I don't. There's, there's yeah. a huge difference, yeah. and I think the moment. That we as a, of us all say, okay, and we accept the fact that there is a huge difference, and how are we similar? That's when the questions will start to be answered. But first, we have to acknowledge that we're not. When it comes to straightforward discrimination, um, spectrums, and um, and choices, we are not the same. I wish you would have been in, in all the dialogue because I think it's important to understand that I don't think there's any there's I don't think there's any belief among these two communities that it's the same. Yeah. I think the the whole point was how to understand those differences, right? And to find what was similar. Same was never part of the conversation to begin with. And I furthermore, I would say, I think what was also more powerful is saying, wow, when we watch some of those videos on yeah. colorism, yeah. when we watch some of those videos, I mean, people walk from there saying, wow, I didn't know that. Right. So there was never a dialogue about same exactness. Right. Uh, and, and so. Um, and I think that's that was the most powerful growth coming out of there that we realized, yeah, we have worked together. Yeah, there are similarities, but there are some very big differences. I mean, even on my part, I, I, I saw some very big differences um, that I had never seen and never even been in conversation with my Jewish friends as, as well. So um, so I think I don't know if you want to speak to. Yeah, I. I get some difficulty when we talk about you guys mm -hmm. because that just raises a you know a differences in, in in many ways in an adversarial way. Mm -hmm. I think there are real generalizations that come out of this though. If you talk about what is a Jew, I'm not talking about the issue of pigmentation, although there are black Jews, especially for Ethiopia, etc. But when you come out and say, what is a Jew? That is defined largely differently on the basis of any number of things, be it ethnic, cultural, or religious. 
my relationship, for example, in terms of orthodoxy, which I initially was brought up with when it was Bar Mitzvah, now would not apply at all. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing. That was the interesting thing, by the way, about colorization. We're not talking about homogeneity, whether you're black or white or green, because as you well know, and colorization dealt with that, if you're lighter, right? Yes. I'm just saying, that creates more difficulty. So what we're not talking about here, black or white, we're not talking about homogeneity on either part. There's diversity within both communities. And I think, if I may, one of the things that I enjoyed very much about the movies is you showed that diversity, and it was a real good lesson. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one you would that's 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 one you would really like to have seen colorism. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was. And so we we dealt with some really deep issues going through here because what we wanted to do, and we're gonna take a break here, uh, Jan. Hold your thought. What we wanted to do was to show each other not only um, our what our culture is about, but what we struggle with inside our mm-hmm. culture so they could be aware and we could be aware of those challenges within. And I was fascinated when it's, well, who who is Jewish? What is what is what does it mean to be Jewish? And I was like, man, that's complicated. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not it's not simple as that. And uh what does it mean to be black in America? It's complicated. It's not simple. And so we dealt with that and and I think that just gave us such for me, I speak for myself, such a great appreciation of um not only uh, my culture on display, but also Jewish culture on display as well. So, folks, we're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills. Richard over here looking at me like, man, I got to keep the lights on. <laughs> right. Uh, hang in there. I hope you enjoying it. We're having fun up in here, up in Black and Studios, folks. We'll be right back. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. All right, folks, we are back in the studio it got a little deep last time didn't it oh yeah yes. of course. but that's you know i mean you're on the one mic one voice show what else can we do right but get to the heart of the issue jan you were going to make a comment yeah what i was going to say is one thing i don't want to miss before we end um is that we talked about similarities. We talked about differences. We learned about each other, which was 
pretty much fun, actually. Mm-hmm. Somewhat contentious sometimes, but that's part of it. We, yes. we still were at the same table. But a lot of people say, well, well, what can I do? Okay, I'm fine with this. I want to help. What can I do? And so many people think, well, I want to change the world. Okay, what mm-hmm. do I do right now? Well, maybe just start with, besides starting with yourself and learning, if there is a problem in your community, um, consider how you can address it. If someone is unjustly accused, say if I hear a case now, it, it just struck me. If I hear a case now, if I read something, and, and I can probably do it tomorrow because I'm here in Oklahoma. If, if a black man is arrested for something he clearly didn't do, um, once information comes out, then if there's a protest – I should show up at that protest and say, no, this is wrong. And I think if our communities can get together more instead of um, our people, quote, our people, taking care of our people, if we all take care of each other, we will all, it will be a rising tide that lifts all ships. And I just want to point out one thing. Um, After I was in California, I spent a few years in Charlottesville, and I came here just before the Charlottesville Mm. March, I think most of you remember, Mm -hmm. across Thomas Jefferson's University, University of Virginia, uh, of the neo-Nazis saying Jews will not replace us and many racist things. Um, My sister and her husband were in a, a synagogue at prayer on Saturday morning, that next day, I think it was the next day, and there were these people outside yelling the most heinous things. Mm-hmm. There was a police officer listening. The point is, there was an inter- there's a big interfaith community there that builds um, builds uh, programs, social programs to help people. But when it came down to it, there were many people outside black churches. Instead of everyone coming together. The black churches defended themselves. They got their own policemen. They made their news conference. The Jewish people did. They didn't come together. I was struck by this. This is a chance where look at the numbers who could get together and show we're all valuable. We're all worthwhile. And I'd rather not see that repeated. I'd rather see people get together. So when we talk about getting together... Everybody can do something if you yeah. just look for it. You know, if I may, on your point, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things we discussed in the seminar was, in essence, if something happened, we as seminar members would call each other up to do precisely that, to be active. I view it on another sense, though, silence, whether – and that's what the trouble is. I always recall in the movie Gentleman's Agreement at the end some – person says, I was so angry what they said. And Gregory Peck said, well, did you respond? No, but I was angry. What I've learned, and here in Oklahoma, you've got to call it like it is. And for example, it's happened more than one time when someone thinks of making a deal with me, then they'll Jew me down, Mm. right? I'll say, now, wait a minute. I'm Jewish, and I don't appreciate that. The code of silence unfortunately, is very pervasive in this state. Yes, very. Um, I just think that, um, you know, there's a saying that says, when you don't know your history, Mm -hmm. 
it will repeat itself. You know, uh, you will lose the tools that that history put in place for you. And, um, you know, that's the reason I came to Oklahoma. Um, it's why it's so important for me to um, research and um, start making films about our lost foremothers of this nation. Because, you know, what was done, I mean, a lot of people do not know Mary, who Mary White Overton is, you know, who Ida B. Wells was. We give a lot of attention to Du Bois and some guy, other Jewish guy that came in literally five years after the fact, you know, as one of the other founders. But Ida B. Wells said it well, you know. She's, she said to Du Bois, which is a famous letter, and I will forward it to you guys and also forward you the link so you guys could um, could look at it and read it. But she said to him, when she, she said, when we fight together, no one dares to oppress us. When we fight separate, they will they will um, put us against one another. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where a black man will see me as his equal when I'm standing next to him in the firing squad. And when she said that to Du Bois, is when the NAACP decided to separate themselves from all people of Caucasian race. And she wrote him this letter, and she was sick. She was she had already retired, and after that, it was just we were very separated. I mean, we were we were one nation. At that time, we had everything in common. And the more I study Ida, um, Ida B. Wells, you saying you saying uh, Black Americans were one and nation, the Jews were okay. one nation. We fought. We. The NAACP was nothing compared to three other huge organizations that existed before then. And I apologize to the audience. My phone, I left my phone in the truck, but I actually made notes to share with you guys. And perhaps I, you know, you can put it on your mm-hmm. website or Facebook page. But, you know, I want to make it known that to me, I envy and I, in it, upsets me that we don't have that relationship. I mean, man, they would come out by hundreds of thousands, you know, when one person was done wrong. If a Jewish or a person of the African-American community was done wrong, they all came out. Out of churches, out of temples, they would come out. And that was a force to reckon with. Because it's no longer... Us versus them. It's not us versus each other mm-hmm. or us versus them. It's us, you versus all of us. Yeah. I, I think your point is very valid. Uh, you know, it's we talked about this, and and we 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 thought that there was poor leadership because leadership brings people together, and in the absence of leadership, someone has to step into that role and make that happen. And I think what we're trying to do as two communities 
is to figure out how that mechanism works because we see true value. There's strength in numbers. And, you know, um, hopefully we will come to that understanding as at least in Oklahoma, you know, I, you, you, you can't infer this to the nation. You know, we would like to see as we go, the nation goes. However, that is too great of a burden to carry. Uh, what can I do? As Jan has pointed out, what you, what can we do as you have pointed out and clearly, and Steve, you've said it, we can show up, right? We can come together because it is us, right? It is the individual. It is the collective that decides to do that. And so sometimes you have to localize things to say, what can we do here? Right. Um, May I add one thing Uh to Uh that? What can we do here? Each person has a community. Bring your community. Uh Get your community involved. It may just be a few people or maybe a lot of people. But people you know, that's that's where you can make a difference, too. Bring them out with you. Yeah, your circle of influence, right? Yeah. yeah well, I'll, I'll give you a good illustration about doing something. There is one TV station, and I won't mention it. Not, you know, be nice that way. Every Everyone looks like a Barbie doll. And they all grew up in Oklahoma. There's another station where I finally saw... A black woman, you know, being there, uh, you know, and and being the commentator. That's the kind of thing that has to be addressed. It's not a big deal in a sense, but you call up the manager of the station and say, you know, this isn't acceptable. We're a diverse society. Why do they all come from Oklahoma and look like Barbie doll? It may sound like a small thing, but that's the projection, right? That's where the influence is. So I just thought I'd ask you as an example. Yeah, that is where the influence is because, um, you know, I I was shocked when I was watching the impeachment hearings and I saw two black people there. Yep. And I said, how is that a reflection mm-hmm. of the country, right? And you're right. Um, and that's what we, and a lot of that we talked about systemic change, right? You can, until you change the system, that favors one race over all others, then protest is protest. But systemically, you have to change it because no way will uh, society change, right? Um, You can't legislate behavior, but you can also force people to do some things, right? We all have car insurance, right? We, you know what, there's, we all stop at the stoplight. Why? You might not want to, but guess what? You know, there's a punishment behind it. So there is there is a, a component for the uh, system to play a part in it as well. We have a few minutes left. I need some closing thoughts. Anything you want to share? I'm not going. Don't take too long, though. Well, Come on. Um, <laughs> I just think uh, this dialogue should continue. And I I think that the clash of issues that are raised today are very valid ones that have to be discussed. I feel uncomfortable about the term we versus they because it it just puts us a little apart. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important that we continue to keep this dialogue up. And I would say to you, apropos what we mentioned earlier, 
I think the issue of leadership is absolutely vital within our respective communities, and we're fortunate. I can say in terms of the Jewish community, and I defer to you uh, in terms of the black community and having rabbis who are really leading the way and two women rabbis, which I think, again, projects something. So I tend to view that. The only problem that you, you mentioned, I want to end on this thing. We can legislate A, B, or C, but changing values, wow. And you remember the old song, you got to be taught to be afraid from South Pacific? You got to start this on the elementary level. And I'm not satisfied that that's being done as much as it should be. Great point. Great point. Um, go ahead, Jim. Oh, I was just going to say, out of this, I've gotten a, a new community of friends and acquaintances for which I'm very grateful. And I do hope to continue the dialogue. But more than that, I've found that I've been continuing the dialogue with other people I know Great. who were unaware of this. And so it, it's yes. helped me a lot, and I plan to continue. Wonderful. I just think that um, it's a it's a very helpful dialogue, not just you know to get my thoughts out, but also to as we started the show saying listening to others. You know, um, one thing within the um, African American community, and we we divide ourselves, mm-hmm. and you know even with you know the name of my. My festival actually had a gentleman email me today and say, how is this not racist? <laughs> a global black music festival. <sighs> and I had to explain to him that it was actually, you know, black list festival. He goes, well, you need to add your list in there because I'll do it for you. How about that? Just send me the logo. So, I mean, it is. And we got, we, you know, we, I, I just think this dialogue, like Steve said, needs to continue. Absolutely. And I, you know, I want to thank each and every one of you for your um, participation, your courage, um, for your wisdom, for sharing your heart in, um, in a very unadulterated way. That's what it takes. It takes for us to um, not only share, but listen in a way that we're not offended, but we're thankful. I'm thankful that you shared your truth. I'm thankful that you shared your truth. I'm thankful that you shared your truth because that makes me better. Right? Yes. And so um I and and I really think what we are doing here is a a blueprint, a foundation not just for our two communities, but how people can come together to talk about who they are, where they come from what struggles they have, what challenges they have, and then to listen because it humanizes all of us. At the end of the day, man, we're part of the human race, right? And we have so many, we have so many challenges. We can't forget the challenges. We have to deal with the challenges. But I think through working through all of this, we understand that we're part of the same experience here. We didn't have any say-so in how we came into the world. We didn't designate what our race would be, what country we would be born in. We realize that we are truly our brother and sister's keeper because history 
will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time. And what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solve nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We can make a difference if we try. We can be the change that's in our life. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. This episode is brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, go to blackenstudios.com or visit their Facebook page. The views and opinions of the One Mic, One Voice podcast show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or our other sponsors. This is Dr. Laura Gillott, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show.